Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Praise the Lord. Come on, give some praise in the house of the Lord. I love that song because it's a message of how God has changed our hearts, turned us around, gave us a new name. How many glad your name is written down in heaven? You know, there's a new name written down in heaven, and the song goes, and it's yours. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, and it's mine. Look at your neighbor and say, is your name in heaven? Is your name written down in the Lamb's book of heaven? I'll tell you what, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. One day, one day, those books are going to be open, and they're going to be reading names. You know how excited people get when their names, and they're going to get a raffle, and they're going to be giving away something? And they're like, hope I get picked. Hope I get picked. Well, when they open the books, you can't, you can't wait to hear your name. Because if your name's on that book, you are in trouble. Let's go before Father. Let's pray. Let's ask God to have his way today. Lord, we are so grateful to come into this place. We're so grateful for who you are. So grateful for those watching online. We pray that you bless each one here and those online. We pray that their hearts would turn to you, God, in all things as they learn to trust you in everything. As they walk by faith, not by sight. We give you today, Lord. May your name be praised. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. God is good in all the time. Amen. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, hello, neighbor. <laughs> uh, I need my clicker. This morning, we are going to finalize the last message in our series, CPR Living. We have been looking at the life of Daniel. How many appreciate Daniel? Hmm? Daniel is um, Daniel is a, just an incredible uh, man. He was an incredible man. And connect, kids, you can, maybe it's dismissed. 
and um, a credible man. And we've been talking about CPR, and we know that CPR is an act of first aid when someone stops breathing, their heart stops, and to get it going, and we do CPR. And CPR really is to preserve life, prevent deterioration, and promote recovery. And this is what spiritual CPR wants to do. Spiritual CPR wants to preserve our life. It wants to prevent deterioration. Because we slowly deteriorate when we get our eyes and our hearts and our minds away from the things of God. And we start placing them in other areas. We start to deteriorate from the inside. And spiritual deterioration is worse than uh, physical deterioration. And then re promote recovery. God's always in the recovery process. Someone say amen. amen. Yeah, I love that part. God's into the recovery process. I told you last time, and we've been looking at Isaiah 41.10, it says, fear not. Someone say fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, that really tells you and I, no matter what you're going through, God's with you. God's with you. I, I want you to get this in your heart. God is with you. But the problem is we don't think he's with us sometimes because we go through a problem or we go through a situation or a circumstance or a hardship or, or in a struggle or whatever it is that we think, oh God, why do I feel so, here's the word, here's the word, here's the word, alone. How am I? I'm so frustrated. Why am I so angry? Why am I so bitter? Why am I, whatever it may be for you. But God says, I am with you. I'm for you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. And we've been looking at this, this whole process. And one of the things I've been trying to get you is to get Galatians 2.20 in your heart and life. Let's again say it together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. If, could you imagine, just imagine with me, if everybody took this scripture to heart, meaning they lived their life not for themselves. I am crucified with Christ, and the life I live, I no longer live, for Christ lives in me. He lives in me. He lives through me because my whole life is all about making a difference for the short period of time that we're on earth. Now, if you recognize... We have been looking at these four letters, which bring us to four, or three, three letters, three words, consisted in action, and we looked at, uh, we had object lessons. The first was the gravity, the ball, and the, the P for persistent in our drive. Uh, against the odds was the game that we played. Uh, resistant to setbacks of those that say you can't do it, and that's finding strength. And that's through the, a paper tube. And so we looked at these things here that God wants us to be consistent, persistent, and resistant. I mean, when you look at the chapter 1 of Daniel, you see Daniel did not want to defile himself. He was consistent whether he was in his homeland or whether he was captured by Babylon. He was consistent as gravity. Someone say consistent as gravity. 
the question we ask ourselves, am I consistent in my ways, in the ways of the Lord? Am I consistent in my prayer? Am I consistent in my Bible reading? Am I consistent in really getting to know God? Am I consistent in sharing my faith with others? Am I like gravity? And if I'm not, Lord, if I'm not, will you help me? Because here's Daniel in a foreign land, and he is being consistent, the same man, not changed. Are we consistent in, in sharing our wine? Who is our wine? Who are those people who are close to you? Are you talking to them? Are you sharing with them? Are you caring for them? Are you calling them? If they're important to you and they're your wine, what are you doing? This jar has been up here. But what has been happening in your heart according to your wine? Are you consistent in that manner? And then, of course, Jimmy over there came up and he played this game of persistence. And, and so we gave him so many balls here and, you know, try to get it in, you know. And we, you could get it in kind of close. Oh, no, you can't even get it in kind of close. But you've got to be persistent. And you keep trying until finally you get it. But as you back off, as you back off, all of a sudden now, you've got to really be consistent now. Now you've really got to be consistent. You've got to keep, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. How many of you play those games in, in like those parks and stuff? You go to a little amusement park, they have those games, and you want to win a big teddy bear. You spend $15 for the teddy bear, $20, and you probably could have gone out someplace and bought one. But, but you're persistent, and you win it. In chapter 2, we learn that Daniel was faced with a problem. The problem was they're going to kill all the wise men. But he was persistent in trying to solve the problem. He was persistent in not giving up. He kept doing what he wanted to do, which is so important for all of us. In chapter 3, we finally get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we learn a little bit from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I took a regular piece of paper. And I, I, we, we're, we're weak, right? We're weak. We, we can't support our regular piece of paper. But when we wrap ourselves around Jesus Christ, and all I did is wrap this around this paper towel. My wife said, I was wondering where my paper towel um, tube went to because everything was, you know. And when you wrap yourself around with Jesus, you can simply take things and place it right on top of it. And all of a sudden, voila, it's not a problem. What happens? Do you see your persistence and resistance to the pressures around you? And so Daniel and his went into prayer. And they say, you know, you got an edict of death, but they were resistance to saying what was going to happen to them, and they found a way. They didn't quit. They didn't quit. How many know quitters never win and winners never quit? How many know that? And so my question for you this morning is, do you want to be a, a Daniel? Do you, do you want to be a, a Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? Do you want to be a person who really makes a difference? Because this is what it's really about. It really is all about coming against the odds sometimes. And we have a hard time with that. Today, we're going to go one step and talk about Daniel one more time. And this time, he's under a different king. This time, Daniel is an authority. He is doing well. But you've got to remember things. Things happen in life. What are you going to do with them when they happen? Disappointments come. What are you going to do with your disappointment? 
Frustrations come. What are you going to do when you feel alone and frustrated and aggravated and down and discouraged? Who are you going to turn to? That's the answer. That's the answer. But the problem often is, is that people don't turn to the one who can help them because they look at the situation, they look at the circumstances, and they then say, you know what, because of this, this is why I'm not consistent. Because of this, this is why I'm not persistent. You know what, because of this, this is why I'm not resistant to my setbacks. Because this happened to me. If it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, and that's just an excuse because you're in charge of you. Don't look at another person to try to give you an excuse. A lot of times we want to blame, do the blame game, but when you blame, it's lame. Take accountability and responsibility for your part of the equation because nobody is totally innocent. Hello? And when it comes down to relationship upward and outward or just relationships outward, it's, it's, it's together. So let's take a journey today in, in chapter 6, Daniel. What a beautiful portion of scripture. But before we do, let's cover this. Every one of those chapters, one, chapter two, chapter three, you found individuals who were committed, and because they were committed, they were connected. One who is committed will always be connected. And if you're committed to God, you're going to connect to God. That means this. If you're going to pray, why am I praying? It's because I want to know God. If I'm reading my Bible, why am I reading my Bible? Because I want to know God. You see, if you are committed, you're going to be connected. If you're connected, you're going to be consistent and you're going to carry out the work of God. You can't, you can't be consistent unless you're committed and connected. It's, it's, that's why we're getting connect groups. Connecting things to each other is so important. So let's get into our, our portion of Scripture today and let's look at this. Verse 1 through 3, Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius. Darius is now the new king. The Persians came in and conquered the Babylonian Empire. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to the rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Someone said a whole kingdom. Daniel, because of being so consistent and persistent and resistant in life, a new king comes on the block. Now he's ruling and reigning, and he sees something different in Daniel. And look at what it says. He so distinguished himself among all the administrators. I want to ask you a question. If you went on a job site and there was 50 people working, would your boss say there's something special about who you are and what you do? Some of you say, well, I'm no longer working. I'm retired. Well, let's just change it a little bit. Let's look at it in your own family. Would people in your family look at you and say, there's something about such and such because they distinguish themselves among the crew because of their faith or because of the way they demonstrate character, their uh, whatever qualities that are really good. Do you distinguish yourself wherever you are? What would others say? You get a good barometer in a sense what other people may say. You can look in the mirror and give yourself an excuse of why this has not happened or that has not happened. Ultimately, it's really on all of us. Amen. Amen. So Nebuchadnezzar now, King Nebuchadnezzar 
found David and his friends with such wisdom that he thought, saw, saw them in chapter 1 ten times better than anybody in the kingdom. Here's a new king, and he's seeing the same thing. Wow, this guy has qualities and characteristics where he says, you know what? I am not gonna. I don't need these three, uh, the other two administrators. I'm just gonna put. I'm gonna put Daniel over everything. And if you notice in the chapter uh, six, it's just talking about satraps. Satraps was like a provincial type of. Uh, it's like a mayor, and then you had governors. And you're gonna see eventually the governors will come in. But these are all like provincial uh, provinces of those individuals over a certain providence. And, and and the king liked it so much he was gonna go. One person was gonna be over the whole kingdom. What happens when someone gets really favor? People get jealous. You know, people don't do well when people, good things happen to people. People, you know, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But we live in a world today that when someone's blessed, they, they don't, they don't, they're not happy. Did you see them? They got a brand new car. They got a brand new car. Uh, you know why we have a brand new car? You know what I mean? They got a race. They got a good raise. They raises more than me. But I you know. Hey, people don't rejoice with people nowadays. They, they, instead of getting better, we get bitter. Always look at horizontally. Never look at vertically. And so I, I want you to get this. This is important. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators. He was so exceptional quality. That king, Darius, wants to put them all over the kingdom. Now, I want to bring you to a portion of the scripture in Proverbs chapter 3, 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. I, I believe that's not Proverbs. Uh, and that's a mistake on my part. But that's the scripture that's in the Bible. I want you to get this. This is really important for you. God says, if you do your part, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. And here it goes, here it goes. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to give you favor. We'll talk a little bit about this in a second. It's so important because what does it mean to have favor of God? What does it really mean to have favor of God? Joseph had favor of God. Daniel had favor of God. Moses had a favor of God. Do you want favor of God? Come on now. Do you want favor of God? Yeah, I want favor of God. Favor is first found in the acceptance of God's grace. The acceptance of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and forgiveness is the first where favor comes in. You, you accept his grace. You, you accept his forgiveness. When you accept his give, forgiveness and his grace, your favor of God comes upon you. You now have a relationship with the one who created you. Someone say amen. You've got a relationship that can be re a real deal. You know, when you honor God with your time, people can't even get in church. I can't, I'm so busy, I can't even get in church, Pastor. I mean, I like to, but I'm just so busy. They don't realize, but the one that gives them time during the week, but yet they have no time for God. I hear all the excuses. Trust me, I hear them every, almost every week. Some type of excuse. But how do you want favor with God, but how do you get it? It's all about the heart. Because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. It's our time, it's our service, it's our finances, it's our sacrifice, sometimes doing things for the sake of the kingdom or for the sake of others. You know, time, we spend time with God. How much time do we spend with God? 
Uh, how much time do you uh, exhibit faith in God? How much time do you walk with him along the journey? How, how faithful are you in your giving and your tithe to God? Most people can, you know, will have more fear of the uh, mortgage company than they do of God. You know, they always want a priority. They, they fear this versus God. But be obedient with the resources of which God has given you. That's how you get honor with God. You get favor with God. Because God sees your actions of your heart, and he sees everything. Making the Lord the priority of your heart and life is a good way of getting favor with God. Living humble in your ways. Nobody's all that in a bag of chips. Lifting up others on a daily basis, serving others and building other people up in the relationship, trying to build a kingdom of God, that we're living our life to make a difference in other people. It's not about us, but we make everything about us. It's not about us. It's about how can I do something for others, Lord? How can I serve you and by serving you, serve others? This is all about servitude. Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah received favor from the Lord. They were faithful no matter where they were. I don't know about you, but I think about this heavily. They, they were slaves. They were taken away from their home. They are now in a foreign land, not having favor with the people. And yet they're being faithful to God. Man. And yet, we as, me, we as God's children can't even be faithful, and we're not even under the pressure, and we can't even be faithful to the things of God. I want us to really examine our hearts so that God can start to really change us and help us so we can speak so much, can do so much better. There's a world that's dying. For those going to be here tonight, I'm going to share something about the youth and stuff, because these guys are important to us. You guys are very important to us. Yes, you. You are the next generation. You are this generation. You see, Isaiah 66, 2, listen to what it says. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Let's go on. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward me. Uh, let's look at Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe he is and that he is a rewarder for those who, here it goes, seek him. Again, in Proverbs 8, 34 and 35, blessed is a man who listens to me, and I would just say man, woman, who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, for whoever finds me finds life and receives, there it goes, favor from the Lord. Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego received favor from God because that God was their priority. Could you imagine, could you imagine what would happen, what would happen to a church who really were all in and put their hands to the plow and did everything they could, I mean really worked hard to make the kingdom of God grow and people feel his presence and feel his love and experience his mercy and forgiveness. You see, look what happens here. Consistent in his action, 
Verse 4, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could not find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. 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 Woo, got that one out. I think of today's world in our politician, in our political world, how they just bring up every smut and they just want to degrade character. They make up lies. Just, just, just to, you know, or they will take something 25 years in their past and bring it up to their future like it was yesterday. All these tricks just to make someone look really bad so that, so that they win an election. No character because do anything to win. Can I just tell you there's nothing new under the sun? Because these jealous individuals of Daniel... We're doing the same thing. They're trying to find fault. Now, here's the thing. The people who are trying to find fault have tons of faults themselves. And yet, they're trying to make this other person look a lot worse. Because insecure people will always try to bring out faults in other people to make themselves feel better. Nevertheless, nevertheless, listen to what Solomon said in Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. <laughs> oh, man, I've been... This is, uh, anyhow. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. Then you will in favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Once again, that's what Solomon said. Verse 5 to 7. Look what it says here. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any on any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators, the satraps, went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, the perfects, the, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, all have agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the degree, a degree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, you got to understand something, that these jealous, wicked men are trying to find something wrong with David in the political realm, but they can't. So what did they pick on? David's faith, because he's consistent in his actions. And they know Daniel is a, I, yeah, I'll mix those Ds up all the time. Daniel is a faithful man towards his God. I want you to, this is, this is so important to understand. Let's find something wrong with Daniel's faith. Let's find something wrong with his whole um, relationship with his God. And so what do they do? Make praying illegal. How, what would you do if the authority today made praying a crime? And if you were caught going to church or praying, you would go into a lion's pit. How many of you would not let anybody see you pray? And you'll say, you know what? I'll just pray in secret. You see, there's a, there's a point here to make. The point is he was not afraid of the edict. This is a person with character. This is a person willing to walk it out even when it's difficult. 
and not try to get, go through the back way. And this is what honors God. This is what honors God is so much. You know, I looked up some statistics about Christians who pray dearly. It was discouraging, but I wanted to let you know anyhow. It was looking at Christians who pray daily, and it went like this. Only 15% pray daily of those in the age of 18 to 29. 15% will pray daily from the ages of 8 to 29. It said 33% pray daily from 30 to 49. It said 30% pray from 50 to 64. And then it said 22% pray daily from 65 and up. Because, you know, sometimes when our body gets tired, we don't feel like praying. We might have a want to do. That's when Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why you have to get over it when you don't feel like it. It's like exercising. Not every day you feel like exercising. It's just it's a lot of work until it becomes part of your routine, and then you have no problem exercising. It's almost like going to work sometimes, you know. Unless you love what you do, sometimes work can be a challenge. I was talking to someone the other day where they said, talking about work, and I said, do you love work? And he says, no, I hate work. And then I simply said, well, why do you keep going? Would you want to spend your whole life at a job you don't like? If I didn't like something, I wouldn't be doing it. You can count on it 100%. I ain't going to do something I don't like. That's me. Even if I didn't know what my next step was, I'm good with that. You see, what you got to realize, you have a one life to make it count for Jesus Christ. One life. Tell me say one life. Let's make it the best. No matter how many days or how many years that we have left, let's make our life count. Because it's so important. Let's really learn to pray. And they said, listen, King. All of the administrators and perfect state traps and advisors and governors, they, we all agree. I don't think Dave, Daniel was invited to this meeting. And I'll go one step further. I don't think others were invited to this meeting. But they made the king believe that everybody was on the same page. Same page. You see, why would the king even want to do an edict like this? Why would the king want everybody to come to him and to pray to no other god? It's very simple. When a king comes into power, one of the most important things is get unity on board real quick. Get the people in the kingdom looking to the king alone uh, for, to build a reliance and dependence on the king. It's like building relationship. And so in his mind, he thought that'd be a good idea, try to get everybody focused on the same thing. However, he forgot about one of his best people that he had named Daniel who prayed three times a day. Look what it says. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. They gave good reason. He thought it was great. But here comes now the persistentness in his actions. His Daniel, the man, shows you and I how to live a life that honors God. Now, when Daniel learned that the, the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Someone say, done before. 
then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. Uh-oh. Red-handed, caught. We got him. That's what they were saying. We got him. Oh, man, we got this guy out of the way. He's not going to take our jobs away from us. He's not going to take the food out of our family. Oh, we got him now. We caught that. Oh, ho, ho, ho. man, we can't wait. We're going to go tell the king. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so that's what they do. Put The decree went in there, and then these men now catch David. Now, Daniel is in an upper room. He is praying. He is not making a big deal about it. He's not gaining attention from other people. He is just praying to his God. Listen to what he's doing. In a time like this with a decree that says if you pray, you're going to go into a lion's den. That means a death sentence. He's giving God, what is he doing? Thanks and praise. Hmm. Daniel was confronted with a test of loyalty. Think about this. When you're in life, you're going, to be a, you're going to have a test of loyalty. Your loyalty of whether you're going to serve another law or another person or God's way, God's word. You're going to have a test. And here he is. He's a test of his loyalty. He was loyal and subjected to the king. They could find no fault with him. But he also knew that there was a king of kings that deserved all a higher loyalty. You understand what I'm saying? We need to know who we are serving here on earth. Daniel refused to give to the government the measure of obedience that belonged to the God in which he served. You need to understand that. God must be first because he is first. And every tongue shall confess and every knee will bow. Jesus Christ is Lord. You need to realize who's on your side and realize who causes the sun to evolve around the earth. It's the one who created it and spoke to it and put it into existence. That's the same God that's on your side. Arise up beyond your problem and your circumstance and your situation and understand who God really is. Bring him into the equation. Watch what he'll do in you, through you, and around you. God is on your side. And you're not alone. It's a key to understand who you serve first. He prayed with his windows towards Jerusalem. Why did he do that? Well, when Solomon prayed the dedication of the temple, this is what he prayed in 1 Kings chapter 8.30. He said this, And may you hear the supplication of your servants, and of your people Israel when they pray towards this temple. And so that's why they prayed towards Jerusalem. Because he was just being obedient to the prayer of Solomon. That's why they do that. I want you to get this. When you have a relationship with God, you're gonna, it's going to be seen in the way you act. But if you really have a relationship with God, it's going to be seen when you go through tough times. Others are now going to see that in you and through you. It's important. Daniel was one of three governors in an empire. I want you to get this. He was a governor, an administrator over the kingdom. And yet, three times a day, he found times to pray. And people say to me all the time, and don't get me wrong, I know this quite well. A day goes fast. There's a lot to do. And it's really busy. But Daniel here is an administrator over a kingdom, 
And he's taken three times a day to pray to his God. He had a priority that ranked over all that he did. That's something I think all of us can learn. Can you say amen? But it goes more further than that. I think it's something that you and I need to say, where can I apply that? Because we say so many excuses of, I don't feel like it. I got so many things to do. And yet here's Daniel, very busy, running the kingdom, being responsible for many, many things. And yet he's stopping intentionally three times a day to pray. I think it can teach all of us a little bit. Let's look what it says here in 12, 13. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Hey, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot, cannot, cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, 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 Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, king, O king, or to the degree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Did you get that? He still prays three times a day. I don't know if anybody got a chance to hear that or not. He still is praying. There's no change. Can someone say consistent? And he's persistent against those that, uh, he's persistent in his will, persistent in his action. And he's very resistant to say, you can't tell me not to do this thing. When you pray, when you pray, these are five areas of praying. And these five areas should be in your life. Thanksgiving. I'm going to just classify it quickly. In the acknowledgement of having a grateful heart for the benefits and blessings or favor provided by God. You're giving thanks. Adoration is the expression of sincere love, praise, and reverence to God for who he is. Confession is a choice to confess or our regret of sinning against God or others. It's simply a time of asking for forgiveness. Supplication, to ask or petition God with a prayer request that's important to you or to someone you love. And then intercession is the desire of intervening or pleading on behalf of another person in their needs before God in prayer. That's where you just take a person's need and you're praying not for yourself, but you're praying for another person. You're interceding, you're stepping in for them. These five things, five areas, when you pray, people just, I don't know what to pray, Pastor. Well, Focus on thanksgiving, adoration, confession, supplication, and intercession. And when you start thinking about the needs that you have in your own family, in your own life, and other people, when you think about what God's provided, when you think about who God is, and is there anything that maybe you could say, God wasn't really a nice person today. I was a little, here's the word, sassy. That's a nice word of being wrong. You see, here is Daniel praying three times a day. I don't think he was having a problem talking to his God. The reason we have problems in prayer is because we're not in a habit of talking to God. And not in a habit of stop, stopping and letting God speak to us. Remember, prayer is a two-way street. Look at your neighbor and tell him the two-way street. Verse 14 and 15. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed 
and he was determined to rescue Daniel. Love it. You can see the relationship this king has and how he respects Daniel and even his God. And made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group. Love this part. These are what you call foolish men. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. They were saying, hey, you know, we got Daniel. We can't let the king find the way. We're just going to remind the king. Hey, king, you know, just by your own rules, you can't, you know. I want you to know something. These are not smart men because here's the king is upset, but they're not upset for him. They're not trying to help their king. They're reminding the king of a decision that he really regrets that he made, a law or an edict that he put into place. And now he feels all this is happening. I am about to lose my best guy in the whole kingdom because of an edict that I was deceivably, wrongly convinced to make. Man, this, as you know, this doesn't go well for these men. <laughs> I, I want you to get this, that these jealous individuals are not really being helpful to the king. And listen to what he says in verse 16, the resistance to setbacks. So the king gave an order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, catch this, may your God, whom you serve, someone say it, continuously rescue you. This king saw something in Daniel. I want to challenge you. Wouldn't it be great if God saw that in you and in me? May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. I, I love this because they were living, he was living it. And there was many things that people saw his God working through his life. I want you to get this. The character of Daniel had, was seen by the king and Daniel was willing to go into the lion pit for something he believed in. You don't hear Daniel going, but I'm innocent. You don't hear that until afterwards. You don't hear no plea, no nothing. Not in scripture anyhow. But the confidence is truly heard after the fact. Let's look at verse 17 and 18. The stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and listen, and with the rings of his nobles, so that the Daniel situation must would not be changed. Then the king returned to his place and spent the night without eating or and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I love that part. I really do. This king is not happy. He's miserable. He's full of anxiety. Am I going to lose my man, my best man, or is his God going to show up and show off? And he didn't want to eat. And when you lose your appetite, you know, right, when you lose your appetite and something happens and say you want something to eat, I don't, I don't even have an appetite right now. The king is upset. No entertainment. He can't sleep. He's miserable. And yet Daniel has a whole different story on his side, doesn't he? Why is that? Well, it's because he trusts in the Lord. When it gets tough and gets hard, people don't trust God. No, we don't trust him in the tough times, but that's when we get to see God do his best work. 
We may not understand why we're in the mess. We not understand why the season is hitting us so hard. We may not understand everything, but we got to know the God who's over everything. And that's so powerful. That changes everything. That's worth the admission you had to pay coming in here. (laughs) At the first light of dawn, I love this. He didn't sleep, so he was ready. The king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, listen to When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God. He even knew he was a living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Could you imagine this king grabbing his people with him? Follow me. Come on. Not even there yet, but before he gets there, Daniel, Daniel, that's your God, your living God. Oh, there's some When you live your life the way you're supposed to live your life, you'll make a difference in other people's lives. They'll get to see something they haven't seen yet. But are you willing to be that person? Are you willing to be that person? Or do you want the easy street? Do you want it easy? Living in God's never easy. Going through life is never easy. We flop, we fail, but in God, he heals and makes us better every single time. At the light of dawn, he has an anguished voice. I love that part. He is really believing that the living God is going to save him. And when Daniel comes out, here's a whole different story. When Daniel comes out, Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lion's. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. The king was so overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And Daniel was lifted from the den. No wound was found on him because, because, because he had trusted in his God. Somebody trust in his God. I'm on, come on, we can't, we can't say we trust God. We need to trust God in the tough times, and that's when you get to see. That's when you get to see God do his work. I've got two cups of water here. If you're thirsty, you can come up and drink it after I'm done with my illustration. You may not want to drink them after I'm done, though. I've I, I got two oranges here. Uh, tangerines. <laughs> I got two tangerines here. And I got two cups of water. Daniel, Daniel was covered by Jesus. But when you're not covered by Jesus, and Jesus doesn't cover you, boy, do I love, I love good orange. You know, you got to find a good orange, though, but... When you're not covered by, see, Jesus covers you. He protects you. He sees you. It's a wonderful. But if you're not covered by Jesus, something happens. You live life for a little while, and then all of a sudden, you just start to lose it. And as you lose it, something happens in you where all of a sudden, you think you can do life all by yourself. You don't need Jesus anymore. I got it. But what it does, you're not protected anymore. You sink. But the person who stays wrapped with the love of Jesus, the person who stays close to God when you go through the mess. Guess what? It doesn't make a difference what comes your way. 
Nobody can pull you under. Nobody can pull you under because God's going to cause you to float because you have his favor. You, he's with you. He's in you. But you take God out of it. It's like peeling yourself. You're open to anything comes your way. You're open to the mess. But you give God his right place, he will bless you. you can, people will kind of keep you down there, but you're going to rise up again because that's your God. You need to know who your God is. Most people stuff don't realize that when God seals you and he's with you, and you're with him, there's nothing, there's nothing that God can't help you with. I want you to get this. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, a wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. I don't know about you, but I want to be an individual that wants the true reward. Verse 24 at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. This is the sad part. Your actions affects everybody else. Along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people out there in the world that are not favorable towards Christianity. They have such animosity towards it. My philosophy, if you don't believe it, live your life. Leave everybody else alone. If I'm going to respect where you are, respect where I'm at. But that's not how the enemy works. But you be careful. Those people need to be careful because one day, one day they're going to see Christ face to face. Here's my last thought for you for this morning. Are you committed to Christ? If we are going to be the people that God's asking us to be, we need to do something that we're not doing. We need to be something we're not yet. We really need to say, you know what? It doesn't make a difference how many years that you know the Lord. What is God speaking to you now? Are you committed to his kingdom? Are you committed to his church? Are you committed to learning of God? Are you committed to one another? Are you committed to let others see Jesus Christ? Are you committed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be salt and light? Are you committed in your reading? Are you committed in being in small groups of iron sharpens iron? Because only when you're going to be committed, you're going to finally get connected. And after being connected, you're going to then be consistent in your ways. Now, you're not going to be perfect. Someone say amen. But you're going to be consistent. You'll have those moments. You'll have a season. You'll have those things come your way. Those things will happen. But you can learn from those things. Someone say amen. And become better from it. You don't live from your past. You learn from it. Amen. To be consistent. Then you can carry out the work of God. That's the beauty of the CPR living. I don't know if people know this or not, but when you compare Daniel, Daniel has a lot of comparisons to Jesus Christ. Daniel was a man who praised God, uh, praised God in the midst of troubles, served God in the midst of troubles. Daniel was consistent in serving the king with faithfulness. Daniel honored God, was faithful in all he did, and yet he was persecuted by jealous individuals. Daniel was placed into a pit for destruction, but Daniel was raised up again. 
That's exactly what happened to Jesus Christ. They were, Jesus Christ came to be obedient to the Father, to be that perpetuation for our sins, to be that one sacrifice that the Father would accept to forgive sins of all humanity. And yet there were individuals that rose up because of the elevation of Jesus' popularity. They were jealous individuals, religious leaders that rose up, and they wanted to kill him. And they finally did, and they put him into the pit, where on the third day he rose again through the power of Almighty God. You see, God is in the work of doing the miraculous. You just have to be faithful in serving God, and God will do the miraculous in you, through you, and around you. The best, the best is yet to come. You do your part, and God will do his part, and see what God will do. You just have to be willing. Amen? Can you stand to your feet for a moment? How many of you would say to me today that you want to be a man or a woman like Daniel? Just raise your hand, be bold, and say, yeah, I like to be like Daniel. His character of Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're here today, maybe those watching online. Maybe you're not a believer just yet. Maybe you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. Lost means you have not accepted the gift of eternal life through the blood that was shed on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came here for one reason, for you and I. Can someone say amen? How many glad he came to this world for you and I? Amen. And God wants it for you and those here today. And all you have to do is say, God, I've sinned. I did my own thing. Forgive me. Forgive me. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior of my heart and my life. If you do that, God will transform you. Old things will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. Blessed be his name. Can someone say amen? amen? Let's pray before the Lord. Father, we are so grateful right now. I pray, Lord, that you would not just, Holy Spirit, not just stir our hearts, but change our life, God, that we would start to recognize that you want us to be consistent in our actions and everything we do in life, not through a complaining spirit, not through a grumbling spirit, but, Father, through a cheerful spirit because it's all about you, and we want you at the center of our life. God, help us, Lord, to be persistent. Lord, to keep pressing, Lord. When we feel the winds, keep persistent, Lord, in, in, in our goals and our actions and our pursuit of learning about you, God. Every day, bring brick upon brick, brick upon brick, God, so that we can kind of understand and grow in understanding and knowledge of your ways and your works. God, I pray that when things get tough, Will you help us to be resistant to those things and, and to really find our strength in you, God? Lord, you are the one that can make us into a column of strength because we desire to wrap our lives around your word and your ways. God, I pray right now as we worship you in spirit and truth, will you, God, go before each heart today. And if the Lord is speaking to you right now, I want you to pray right where you are. If you ask for salvation, ask God to forgive you. Ask God to uh, bring you into to a church where you can learn the word of God and, and grow. I pray right now that you would do something with the words in which you heard that you would not leave the same, but you say, God, I want to live with a greater character. I want to live with a, a greater passion. I want to live differently, Lord. I want that CPR living in my heart just like the way Daniel and, and his three friends did and, and so many in the scriptures. I want to be that person that gives honor and praise to you. That's our prayer for this day for you 
in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. He worthy. He worthy. God is so good. Amen. I've been trying to, these past four messages, trying to challenge your hearts. But your heart can only be challenged if you really want to take on the character of a vessel. They, people who have gone before us have been lessons to learn. Jesus, lessons to learn. Let's go and be his lessons. The altars are open to pray and to seek the Lord. Always open. If I could have some music. Let me put a blessing upon you. Father, will you touch each one? I pray that a, a thirst for you and a thirst for your throne would just continue to um, grow in each of our hearts, God, for we have one life to live. Let us do all that you've called us to do. Let us have ears to hear and hearts to understand. Bless your people immensely, Lord, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.